0: Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Have you ever wondered about the voices you hear inside of Talking Toys? Today, voice actor Paul J. Rose joins me from London, UK. Among other great work that he's done, Paul is the voice of Papa Carson on the hit Netflix program Toot Toot Corey Carson. So, Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: So, Paul, I wanted to thank you again for just, you know, being such a a great talent out there posting about their work, because that's exactly how I found out about what you're doing with the show and and also this talking toy that we're going to talk about. First off here, congratulations on being the British voice of Papa Carson. I understand that there's a a North American version of the show on Netflix. Uh, It may go by Go Go Corey Carson, for those of you who are fans. In the UK, you have a localized version of the show called Toot Toot. Uh, Corey Carson. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, just let us know more about your role on the show and also just kind of your experience being the voice of Papa Carson. Sure.
1: It is an international show. We still call it Go Go Corey Carson because it just rolls off the tongue better than Toot Toot, but we like it. The studio with which I work uh, called Adrenaline London, we're a a dubbing studio uh, founded quite a few years ago when it was just me, uh, the current owner, John Harley, and Beth Mayo, just the three of us working in the the booth that was still sat in his dining room in his house. We were dubbing a a Chinese drama series. But word got out that we were pretty good at it, and uh, the studio grew from strength to strength, and a few years down the line became an official Netflix partner. And originally, we were just dubbing content in languages other than English, so there was a lot of stuff coming in from Spain, from Italy, and... That was a lot of fun to do, a few things from China and India as well. But we then got word that they were looking at taking some of the children's shows, which are already doing rather well on network television in America, and they wanted them localised, not just into British English, but lots of languages. But we only got the contract for the British English. The idea being that whilst they wanted children, generally preschool children, to quote their favourite characters, they didn't want them necessarily developing American accents so they just decided let's take the whole thing and just redo it entirely with British actors and because I was well associated with the studio they said look we'd like you to come in and and try out for Papa Carson a great character uh, voiced in the US by Paul Killen lovely guy and uh, I tried various different voices because characters is really what I'm all about and mucked around with lots of different voices to try and be a British version of what we were already hearing from the other Paul, but nothing was working for them. And then one of the directors said, actually, Paul, can we we just hear what he would sound like if you just did you? Just talk normally. I thought, OK, doesn't really come up very often, but let's give that a go. And two lines in, they said, that's him. That's Papa Carson, which wasn't really difficult to draw on because he's a big kid at heart. He's a creative that works from a home studio with two young children who drive him mad. I have everything to draw on. There is no acting at all going on there. I'm just talking, but he's an incredibly fun role to play. The show now, six series, one movie, four specials. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. We love doing it and love the script as well. The show itself has already won three daytime Emmys, so it's not going anywhere. It's great.
0: Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. I, I love to hear the behind the scenes, like this is how I got the job and how the studio got this going. And, and it's so cool to hear that it's in not just, you know, the North American dialect of English, but also the UK and beyond, you know, in other languages too, I assume. That's really, really interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. And, and it really does pay to have relationships in this business, doesn't it? It, it sounds like your ties with, with other people kind of help to, to introduce you to the possibility of voicing that role.
1: Oh, very much so yeah it's a dubbing job ultimately you mentioned there are there in other languages most people don't know about the people that do the dubbing but if you allow any netflix series to actually just keep playing beyond the final netflix logo you'll start seeing lots and lots and lots of names coming up and there's all the different studios and all the different actors that have reversion that particular show and netflix has got a serious commitment to making their content as accessible as possible so as well as the dubbing there's also audio description that we get involved in doing as well so really you can you can listen in any language you can read subtitles in any language it just keeps growing and growing and growing it's stuff that most people don't really know about but the world of dubbing is is huge and it's these streaming services which allow more content to be taken in internationally that allow it to keep growing so uh, long way they continue
0: Yeah, I think that was uh, something, we covered this in a past Vox Talk episodes, but this is part of Netflix's broader strategy, is to have the shows, but to give them to audiences in a variety of different languages and, of course, uh, dialects. Yeah, thanks for sharing with that. Dubbing is huge. It, It certainly is, especially in the market we find ourselves in now. I know with the toy because that's what caught my attention at first. When when you said, "Oh, you know, I've, I've been waiting so long to share with everyone about this," like you were under a non-disclosure agreement, from what I understand, is is that right?
1: Oh, you, you you can't blink inside a Netflix production without signing a lot of paperwork. Every everything there is always under lock and key. They're very 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 tight on security. Even when we're dubbing stuff, a we can't tell anyone. But b even the um, the rushes that they send over the visuals are watermarked and downgraded in color so that nothing can get out there their security is incredibly tight so when they said yeah we want you in to come and do this for VTech the thing about the the Corey Carson show is that the characters are already a range of VTech toys they've been around for a while now but unlike your typical Pokemon shows where they're ramming it down your throat to go and buy stuff this show doesn't do that it's just it's much more subtle which i i certainly appreciate but yeah we did it i think it was around about this time last year that we'd gone into the studio to record them and we all thought oh, oh this is great are these going to be out for christmas and they said oh no 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 this is uh, this is spring 2022 which back then felt like a million years into the future for so many reasons other than just mere time but yeah we've just been waiting patiently and not able to tell anyone about what we'd done was that tricky good god yes it was incredibly tricky because I, I was excited it's it's not every day you get to be a toy and i, I desperately wanted to tell people but uh, but i couldn't so when it finally did come out my joy was palpable and that's what i shared on the, on linkedin and that's how you found me
0: Exactly, and I remember like seeing the toy, and, and eventually you found like a sample of what it sounded like. I think you even have one of those toys at home for yourself, right?
1: Of course, why wouldn't I? <laughs> I was I was expecting to. They said, "We'll send one to you when it's done," because we hadn't heard from them. We thought, okay, they said spring. That's still a little uh, while away, so we didn't know. But I found myself just looking online, looking at Amazon from different things. Saw something, and I thought that's probably the American version. It's probably not me, but. There's really only going to be one way to find out. So paid my money. And when it did arrive the next day, I I tell you, Stephanie, I was like a kid on Christmas morning with a toy that finally arrived. Opened it up, pressed the button, heard my voice. Yes, it's here. Uh, I was very, very excited that day. So, yeah, it, it keeps pride of place in my studio whenever I'm on a Zoom call. It sat right behind me. And of course, everyone asks me, sorry, Paul, do you play with toys? I said, well, (laughs) funny you should ask. It's a great lead into a conversation.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I know sometimes like just the uh, pandemic, I guess, and and everything that's happened with going online and having more video calls at times, it it has given people an opportunity to show off their studios. And for you, having that toy there is, is quite a conversation starter.
1: It is. Yeah. It's uh, it and it sits very nicely right, right, right behind me. And it's nice, bright yellow, and I'm keeping it in the box just in case. In some point in the future, it rapidly escalates in value. I can't see that happening. It's not like a Luke Skywalker, but even so, let's just, just keep it neat.
0: Oh yeah, well, exactly. The value can only be you know as high as it is when it's in, still in the box. So. Well, to me,
1: it's priceless. So.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly right. You know, it's it's got your voice in it. And it's so cool because you've touched the top. I think that I um, actually went out to a store in anticipation of this interview and, of course, went right to the section for, you know, the, the toddlers, preschoolers, and was looking at all the talking toys. And I saw the VTech ones, and I'm like... I was that annoying person who goes in and turns on all the toys and lets them talk just so I can hear what they sound like. And, and they always go on for longer than you think they, they will. Do. So it's, like this, oh. is why,
1: this is why I'm not going to press it in here now, because if I do, I won't be able to shut him up for 15 minutes yeah. and it'll, yeah, it'll, be at it'll least punctuate the interview somewhat. So no. Yeah, look that the hard way.
0: Yeah, no, that's hilarious. So anyway, I tried to find the toy myself, couldn't find that particular one, but did find some of the toys from VTech and from, uh, you know, a variety of their other um, uh, ones. that I remember growing up and there were, it was probably VTech or some other company at that time that was similar, but the very first talking computers, the Speak and Spells, I think they were called, so Speak and Spell, and you had ones that taught you math and and ones that were about um, learning how to spell. Yeah, so like maybe you remember. Remember Texas those?
1: Instruments, if I remember yes. correctly, did that. Yeah.
0: you no, you're absolutely right. That's right. And you're back not in the old day, enough for yeah.
1: speak and spell, surely.
0: Oh, well, yes, no. I am. <laughs> well, I, I use the toys. Don't believe
1: you. Speak but, and uh,
0: spell. I love those. I love and speak
1: and, and spell. That was a that was a proper eighties icon. I um, mm-hmm. just absolutely loved it. I I bought a new one a few well, I say new, a retro one a few years ago. I've still got it around here somewhere. It's just I love it. It's great.
0: That is fantastic. And they also, had, I remember Casio had little keyboards for kids too. And there was the the cutest, the Muppets. I had a, a Kermit um, Casio one, and and would play this little song. And it was probably the most annoying thing you'd ever heard. But like kids love those things. They love to hear um, voices and music and to make music and to play with these toys. So... The fact that you're a voice of a toy and so many talents strive to be the voice of a toy. They have like a goal. I'm going to be in a video game or I'm going to be the voice of this character on TV, I'm, you know, something like that. But it, it's like you have this toy that has your voice and it's bringing joy to so many people. So that, that's just wonderful.
1: Especially me. You're absolutely right. It was a box I really, really did want to tick. Being a cartoon character was always, always the main one for me. But then to be immortalized in toy form, it is special. It's just not something you get to see every day. I, I've been voicing a long, long time. And you seem to think, oh, is there a medium format I haven't even done yet? And I I did do one other toy about 10 years ago now. There's just so much more to it. And the technology's come on so much as well now. The, the sound quality inside these things, it's just incredible. We're so used to this 8-bit compressed rubbish. But... Now, it sounds like I'm in the room. It really is fantastic.
0: There's a fan base. I was just thinking about this just now. Um, But for that show, like, I'm I'm sure on Netflix there are are kids who are, like, waiting for this. So I know a year ago, the other characters who had their toys with voices come out. But there was a bit of a wait, I understand, for Mama and Papa. Is that right?
1: Well, they... I think they had the Corrie and Chrissy as his little sister and Corrie being the main star and their friends. They formed the first range of toys. So you've been able to buy those for a while now. But yeah, the expanding the family in the range is a fairly recent development for VTech. So it's it's kind of all going in stages. So uh, yeah, I think we're the second or the third wave, if you like, uh, includes us.
0: Yeah, because when I was looking for the toy, I was like, where is it? Where is it? And I'd see, like, press releases from last year's ones, and I'm like, oh, where's Papa? Where's Papa? Um, But that totally explains, because you were under lock and key with Netflix, and they weren't talking about the toys, obviously, until they were ready to come out. So, completely understand. Yeah, so there's got to be a fan base of people there who are just, like in awe of the fact that they're hearing Papa Carson right now like there must be because even just last week I got some feedback on the last podcast that we did it just wrapped up this last week February 21st it was the the very last episode of that show and on the uh, podcast I talked about the voices on the show and one of those was DW and, and the fact that DW had actually been voiced by a boy even though it's a girl character they, they the casting had gone a certain way I heard from a listener and they're like oh my gosh it was groundbreaking for them to hear and, and they shared with some family and and like just these little things that you don't know unless you're on the inside of the casting and why someone went the direction they did and you know, like, and to hear earlier what you said about how, oh, just talk normally, Paul. Let, let's see what you sound like doing that. And all of a sudden, there's Papa Carson. So, hmm. you know, it's amazing what people who have the really finely tuned ear, who know the characters really well, what they can do when they hear the right voice and, and how to get that voice out of the talent. Have you found that there's been other opportunities that you've had where someone in a position to help you understand the character or the cast was just, they gave you a little tidbit that you could work with and they're like yeah that's it and like what was that like
1: absolutely uh y- you have a slight advantage uh when you're dubbing in that of course there is already an original voice out there the voice that the character has been voiced so there's something to draw on there and sometimes if you can just i suppose the right would be anglicize that particular voice and and replicate it as, as much as the original they like that sometimes that doesn't work which is when they say well let's try it like this and try it like that and there's lots to 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 try from there, but yeah, well, generally in the same way, I know that the Simpsons like to do their voices. Hank Azaria freely admits they're all just bad impersonations of celebrities. That's his entire range. I think I'd probably come from the same place, is to borrow a little bit from some voice and another bit from some other voice and merge it all together and and see what comes out. But the beauty part about working in this particular field is that you're given that freedom that the studio know that you've got something up there that's going to work there's a voice in your head that's going to work they just haven't heard it yet but they know that you're the guy that's gonna be able to do it so you get in there you read some lines you try some other things like that but it has to sit well with you as well it has to sit comfortably with the performer otherwise that inauthenticity is going to shine through and kids will spot it there'll be a disconnect between the character and the voice and the audience will spot it they won't kids won't necessarily be able to articulate that there's something off But there will be something off. So just given a little bit of freedom, I think, from the director, always works well. I think if they give you too many notes, it becomes really quite constricting. And you just think, oh, I don't even know if I could do this anymore. And there have been occasions where I've been asked to do a voice. Just, it hurts. It's just really raspy or or shouty and loud. And it's painful. We said, look, I don't really know if I can sustain that for long enough, guys. Could we possibly revisit this? So, yes, I've been given good pointers. but. It's, I've always worked with really great people who have have given me the opportunity to throw my own awe in and say, how about we try it like this? And they're open to that. They listen and when they hear it, they know and they say, stop right there. That's who we want. Thank you very much.
0: Wow, well, thank you for sharing that. A lot of actors tend to want to preserve their voice and keep it safe and and to do characters that they feel comfortable voicing so far as the, the mechanics go. But what you said about Being brave enough, frankly, to talk to the people in the studio and say, you know, I don't know if I can maintain that voice for however long or it's, you know, I'm pushing it in the wrong way. And what kind of relationship do you need to have with the production team to feel comfortable saying that? Because a lot of talent would probably just be like, well, they liked what I did and I better just keep doing it, you know, even if it hurts. So how does that work for you?
1: That's a great question. I'm very lucky in my relationship with adrenaline because I was one of the original people that essentially founded it, that I have that freedom. I think certainly sometimes going into other places and trying other things, sometimes you've got to be a little bit more reserved. It doesn't always work that way. You say it is a brave thing to do, to run the risk of being told, well, if you can't do it, we're going to have to go and get somebody else then. But this is your instrument. This is your craft. And I just genuinely don't think that any work is worth destroying that over i mean even if it's oh, i've wanted to play this character and be in this series my entire life sure maybe if it's one episode you could handle it but what if they want you for a series which becomes two becomes three becomes 30 then what you can't work anywhere else and i think you have to actually just make a judgment call but i've been very very lucky to be able to to not just say, I can't do that, because I wouldn't do that. I would say, could we try it like this and have another voice ready to say, would this work or would this work? And I've been very fortunate in that one of the alternatives that I present, they've said, actually, yeah, like that. Let, let's go with that instead, uh, if you feel more comfortable. And I say, I do, actually. So thank you very much. And and we just uh, proceed on. But you're absolutely right. It can be scary because certainly when you're starting out, you think, should I be questioning a director here? Is that That is a career decision I might be making here. But I I think ultimately, they do respect you. You're there because you have a talent. You've got something that they want to tap into. They believe that you can bring their character to life. Give it your all, but don't sacrifice yourself at the same time. I believe deep down that they would respect that.
0: Oh, that's excellent. And I I believe that, too. There's so many really wonderful people who work in this field. Anyone who's used to working with artists, hopefully, too, or, you know, singers, musicians, actors, they know that they're working with people who are, you know, creatives. And that they I think that a lot of them have a good sense of that. And so I don't know if they go in with a different mindset, or they're just a little gentler with with artists in a sense. People shouldn't be afraid to say, you know, if something is hurting their voice or or what have you, because if you continue to strain and put pressure on your voice and to do things that your range doesn't cover that as well, then you could actually do quite a bit of damage to your voice. This isn't just about hurting for a day and taking a couple to recover from it like it it actually is something that if done prolonged periods of time you know if you say you book this series character and you're on for several years maybe five ten doing that it's like repetitive motion it's like Mm. that same thing happening over and over again that will create stress over time that could result in a vocal injury
1: absolutely right I've certainly done some sessions in some video games where I have shouted at the top of my lungs to do some battle scenes uh, at one point where the, the engineer said, I think it's about time you went home. We'll carry this on next week. It was only booked for an hour. It ended up taking two weeks because it was just so much pressure. I was willing to carry on because I didn't want to disappoint. I thought it was important to do a good job. And the guy said, look, no, you, your job's safe. Don't worry. We're loving what you're doing. But you sound like you're in pain now. I said, well, actually, I, I, I really am. And, no, just go home. We'll see you next week. We'll book it in. It won't be a problem. Sometimes you're going to get pushed. And a decent casting director, a decent engineer, they get it. And they make allowances for it. But if you're listening to this and you're a fellow voiceover and just thinking, I'm doing something right now which is really hurting. A, have you had the correct vocal training? Because maybe there's something you can do to make your voice work better this is not an advert for me as a vocal coach because i'm not one but i'm sure you've got some great people listening to this and there's some wonderful people out there that can help and two have you expressed your concern to the director so that something can be done about it don't leave it too late you can end yourself down a very 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 deep rabbit hole and there's no way out
0: so i know paul that you're in the uk where uh, this is actually quite relevant but in december on equity's website and equity is a an organization that a lot of actors in, in the UK are, are part of. And so they said that we're pleased to announce that there's a groundbreaking industry agreement has been reached between Equity and leading voice studio OMUK. This is a big deal because it's the first of its kind, they go on to say. The agreement sets out minimum fees and conditions of engagement for voice artists working on video games. Especially measures have been put in to address the issues that Equity members tell I guess equity, what they're encountering when working on video games. So it could be inconsistency of pay, vocal damage and mm. battle scenes, what have you, and we'll just leave it there. But but essentially like there actually was steps taken to, to help talent in this area. So well worth the read for anyone who's part of equity or, or cares to learn more about it. But it's it's nice to see that there are other people, and certainly this in the uh, the US had also been an issue that was was taken up before of, of protecting artists and having uh, perhaps, you know, shorter sessions or giving more breaks, you know, during mm. scenes where your voice might be overtaxed. But it's good to see that people are definitely looking out for the actor.
1: It's very encouraging. I, I certainly do remember the strike of a few years ago and, and a lot of people from outside of the industry took a very cynical view and said it was all about money. Was, uh, this is, oh, they just want to make more. They they think they're taking part in, in billion-dollar projects and not getting paid enough. That was such a small element of the overall thing. The issue was about working conditions. It was about damage being caused to people's voices. There were people whose throats were bleeding inside vocal booths, people passing out from the amount of work they were putting through their bodies, and something had to be done. So I think it's wonderful that Equity are now taking a stance, and certainly with OMUK, an incredibly prolific studio. Mark Estale is the man behind that. He's got a great international presence. He's worked with a lot of, of great, great people who really still taking the side of the actor, is understanding that without our input, well, there is no product. So we need looking after. It's not about money. It is about protecting our instruments and I, I think that's fantastic and more power to equity's elbows. Sometimes they get a bit of a bad rap, but sometimes they get it right.
0: Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you care about your voice and the voices of other people out there too. And I know you have castmates on the Go Go Corey Carson and, and all kinds of other people you've worked with over your, you're quite wonderful and you do have a lot of experience in this field. You've worked on so many different projects, a lot of dubbing ones from what I can see, but mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just wonderful to have a voice like yours, Paul, sharing with other people who are listening, especially younger talents who maybe don't have the awareness or confidence around their voice and how it's used, that they, they need to think about that and, and maybe go to a coach or get some training or, or at least feel that you can talk to maybe a mentor within voiceover to find a friend somewhere. So where do you think a young talent could actually find good advice or possibly someone they can look up to for this sort of advice?
1: Absolutely. And and it's so important that you do. When I first started out, my friends just said, oh, you're, you're great with voices, Paul. You should go and put a demo together and get it out there. They didn't know anything at all. And that's exactly what I did. I produced my own demo, produced my own website, knocked on a bunch of doors, got Absolutely nowhere. It was only when I invested in coaching that someone heard a different side of my voice, heard my ability to do corporate videos, got me involved in doing that. That led me on to actually finding a, a commercial coach in the US this time around. I don't know if I should be name dropping you. Let me know if I can, because I would, because I love her. But uh, I can. Nancy Wolfson, Brain Tracks Audio. She's a genius. Um, oh, yes. You you know, Nancy, I know you do. Uh, so, um, and she's wonderful. And we're still in touch to this day. I mean, I, every time I get a, a, a great job or a, a a particularly good casting, it reminds me of some advice that she gave me. I'm straight on the email to say, hey, this just happened, which um, she was delighted about. And, and she always, uh, it's interesting, when coming back to the whole idea of the fact that I'm using my own voice as Papa Carson, is that even when I went to Nancy and had all these different voices that I could do, She'd always had me cling to a particular mantra, which is, I am enough. And it was to live by the I am enough. And the fact that I now do so much work with the voice that you and your listeners are hearing right now, it really is a wonderful testament to that belief.
0: Well, thank you for mentioning Nancy. And yes, I, I have known her for a long time. You know, just wonderful, wonderful teacher. She is just a straight shooter. She will tell you exactly exactly what it is you need to do and what to fix, but she is so loving at the same time um, when she gives you the tough love. Just as we're talking about Nancy, for those of you out there who have looked at the state of voice of report from Voices for 2022, uh, you know that Nancy is actually one of the top 10 coaches, the most trusted coaches of those talent who were pulled for that survey. I'm so glad you, you mentioned her. Now, because you're in the UK and I just really wanted to ask you this because I, I have a soft spot for this coach in particular, Did you ever study with Bernard
1: Shaw? That is a name that I know. Uh, The very, very, very first book I ever bought in teaching myself how to get into voiceover, how to even learn how to do it, was his. Remember it. Had a CD in the back with some exercises you could do. Yeah, I suppose he, he, in a way, gave me my start. So I'm curious why you you mention him.
0: Yeah, well, Bernard, I think, was one of the first British voiceover coaches that I came across early on. Um, certainly Gary Terza as well. Um, good friends there. But um, I can't
1: believe it. Uh, so you know, I mentioned that i worked with another coach who actually got me into the corporate side of things. I didn't mention his name. That was Gary Terza. Oh,
0: well, there you go. Small world, small world. <laughs> Gary, this one's for you. So Gary um, very generously had also over the years contributed um, to our, our coaches program and to the podcast. But Bernard Shaw, I just remember him being like this... Fount of knowledge, just a constant, like, you know, I I approached him thinking, would you like to contribute to the podcast? This is like 2007, okay? Like, we're going a ways back, like, not 20 years, but we're looking close to that. And Bernard was just so kind and so generous. And I believe he sent in two. Podcast. So, if anyone would like to hear or be tutored in a way um, by Bernard Shaw, uh, then uh, to enjoy kind of what what Paul may have experienced, because you said you had read his book, and a lot of this wisdom, of course, come from his book. Um, but you can listen to back episodes of Voiceover Experts, and you can go all the way back to like two thousand seven, if not a bit earlier, and and find some great tidbits there. So. Yeah, there's a lot of great people in the UK. I know we've mentioned a number of these coaches here. um, And one network also, um, if people are looking to kind of get plugged in, as it were, to community and to know what's kind of going on, uh, Rachel Naylor has the uh, VoiceOver Network. And so if anyone is curious about that, you can go to the voiceovernetwork.co.uk. Um, that's a, a great resource. I know Rachel's a huge community builder. Like everybody in this industry is so friendly, and uh, really, you can reach out to anybody.
1: Absolutely, Anytime they want. I, li- I like you think of us as a friendly bunch. It's it's true. It's it's not just some cliche. It's uh, I, I suppose it's what I like about us versus um, proper actors. I use massive air quotes here. We don't sort of look at someone else doing a part of the, It should be me up there. We're supporting each other. It's a massive industry. And yes, we're all competitors in a sense, but we're all friends as well. And and we love swapping stories. So for anyone that's looking to start out and thinking that looks like fun. Sure, it's hard work. Any proper job should be, but it's a lot of fun as well. Coming back to your question, coaching, coaching, coaching. It is key. There are some great, great mentors out there. I say Nancy at the top of the shop. If you're listening in the UK, then gravy for the brain which is an organization run by Peter Dixon. That's the Mr. X Factor guy. And uh, Hugh Edwards, a great casting director as well, with a lot of video games under his belt. Uh, they run uh, an online coaching program. There's lots of advice. There's a massive vault of information. It's a membership website. Absolutely brilliant for people starting out and befriend other voiceover artists. When I was first starting out, I would phone other voiceovers, find their details online and said, hey, look, I'm starting out. Could you give me some advice? And everyone was always so forthcoming and helpful. And I believe in paying that forward now. So if anyone calls me and says, oh, I'm looking for a bit of advice. I'm more than happy to give them my time because I remember being in that situation and how touched I was that people would take their time to help me. So I pass that on these days. So if anyone wants to call me, they're more than welcome.
0: Well, thank you for offering that people can reach out. I think that's really great. And uh, I know our conversation is just wrapping up here. It's been really wonderful. And I'm so glad, again, that that you posted about your your success as being the talking toy. Uh, And this is definitely a a door opener, I think, for more conversations with others. So uh, that being said, Paul, what is the best way that someone might get a hold of you or find you online?
1: I suppose the easiest way would be to go straight to my website. That's uh, www.pauljrose.com com or .co.uk. You can go to either or just search for Paul J. Rose voiceover on any of the social media platforms. I'm on all of those as well. But uh, direct contact, definitely I'd say the website's the best way to go.
0: And this isn't the end of the story for the Talking Toy that you've just done. I know there's some other exciting news that perhaps you'd like to share with our audience about about what you've decided to do with the voice of the toy.
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm still in fingers crossed mode as far as this is concerned, but we have the One Voice Awards coming up in May and um, I've submitted entries for the past couple of years and been shortlisted on a few occasions for uh, best voice of God, best audio book. But there is another category for best talking toy, which I've never had the opportunity to enter. So I have submitted it, still waiting at the time of putting this interview together to find out. But like I say, fingers crossed, because um, that would be such a wonderful accolade. I'd, I'd love to accept that award.
0: Well, be sure to let us all know. We'll be like just watching your LinkedIn at this point. <laughs> because that's I what We're the news. So, yeah. But anyway, Paul, thank you very much for joining us today here. Uh, I know that you're in the Queen's other London and we are here in London, Ontario, Canada. There's that kindred nice little connection there between our two cities. And yeah. So thank you again, Paul. It's been wonderful to have you here.
1: It's been wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: We'll And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Again, a special thank you to Paul J. Rose for joining us. That was a wonderful conversation. If you enjoyed this conversation, you'd like to hear more of this sort of thing, you need to let me know. So you can reach me at at stephanie@voices.com. If you have any story ideas for future episodes, then you can also email me there. Uh, Really looking forward to hearing from you. And I hope some of you get in touch with Paul. He's really great as you can just hear on that interview, just really warm and friendly and, and definitely a good ear to listen to some of your questions that you might have. And, and so be sure to reach out to him if, if that's what you'd like to do. So, uh, the best way you can support the show, of course, is to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. That goes a long way in helping other people to discover Vox Talk. And uh, yeah, like it's just really exciting to hear from you all. And I, I would love to hear more. So, if you're on social and if you're using that to communicate what you think about the show or you'd like to, the hashtag is Vox Talk. So that's how I'll be able to see it. You can tag at Voices and, and then we can continue the conversation there. So again, for Voices, I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. You've been listening to VLOX Talk. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week.